this time Caleb Reese is going to bring our special.
powerful words. The Bible says the angels are around the throne of God. And guess what they're saying? Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, the earth is full of your glory. And a lot going on, a lot happening. Matter of fact, what we're going to be looking at for just a little while this morning, and I appreciate the teamwork of everybody involved helping out and with the kids and and uh, uh, Perry and Logan, they did great getting Logan back there and uh, got him baptized. And uh, I, the uh, see, where, I saw Jesse earlier. Where's Jesse at? He was baptized last week. He went back there and uh, with the uh, youngins. And he he uh, I had to give him the full meal deal. We had to go extra deep on him. And uh, last week. His his arm moved, and said, so I'm going to baptize him. So I got him fully immersed, and that was just great. I'm so proud of Jesse. And Zeke uh, got baptized last week, and just a lot going on. And uh, later on, we'll have some Bibles to present them. And uh, so we're so thankful uh, for all these that are getting baptized. This morning's message is on worshiping Jesus and worshiping Him. It's, it's all about Jesus. I mean, so many times we can come to church and we can get caught up in uh, the, the logistics of it, the, the technicalities of just, oh, or, or is this on time, or did I forget something, you know, or we're let, next week we're having our big Thanksgiving meal and we're going to be thinking about food, but we can't, we can't. Put Jesus second just because we're fellowshipping. It's great to fellowship with one another. It's great to have, uh, you know, and we have songs and we have this, but it should all be about Jesus. It should all be about lifting Him up. It should all be about the Son of God, the Savior of the world. We'll see in just a little bit how that one fellow, when they were at the house, one fellow was distracted about what, different things, and but one lady wasn't, and it was uh, neat to see her. Stand with me for the reading of God's Holy Word, and we'll be reading in Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. If you uh, picked up a bulletin, I pray that you did, you'll of course uh, have a outline of the, or basic outline of the message, and verse 36 in the Word of God it states, and one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet, that means supper, <laughs> or lunch, or whatever it was. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet, Behind him weeping, and washed, began to wash his feet with, her, with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Father, I thank you for this time. Already we've begun to worship you. I thank you for the songs. I pray your blessings upon everybody that's been baptized in the recent uh, weeks and months. 
And this morning, uh, pray your blessing upon Logan and his life. And bless his family, dear Lord. Thank you for the ones who, who drove a long ways this morning to be a part of this decision that he made. And Father, we ask all these things in your Son's name. Amen. You may be seated. Looking at the Word of God this morning, it's a... Uh, ran across an artist's uh, description of what it may have been like. A woman that was just wanted to show up and worship Jesus. And we don't know, you know, nobody had a camera or a video recorder when Jesus lived, and probably rightfully so. We don't know the exact appearance of Jesus and many of the appearance of different ones. We know his description later on when he returns again. You know, in looking at this subject, there's many hindrances to worship. Worship, it literally means to bow down, to show worth or worthy. That's matter of fact, in our English vernacular, it coming from Old English, worth Skype, which means to give worth. To see, he's worthy. And in the Hebrew, it means to to fall down flat, to prostrate oneself, to lay down, to bow down. And we can worship anything. You can give homage and worth to anything today. A lot of people say, you know, we don't bow down to idols, but we do all the time. We just don't call them idols. We don't call them, uh, you know, they're not statues, but it may be a TV. It may not be a, a being, but it may be uh, something else. It may be a sport or a recreation. You give more worth to it than God or, or His Holy Word. And all of us are preaching. If you're saved this morning, you can preach. Then that means to proclaim. You can tell others. Matter of fact, your life preaches. And louder than any message, whenever somebody, some preacher preaches your funeral and gives your eulogy, you've already preached the sermon. By the life that you live, you preach the message already. Louder than any preacher can bring a eulogy or say anything good or positive, the way you live your life preaches louder than any set of words ever can. And so... What hinders worship? What is our what is what are our obstacles to worship this morning? First of all, we see this opportunity given. We've seen this right off the bat. Uh, Simon, that we find out his name not in verse thirty-six, but a little bit later, one of the Pharisees said, "Hey, why don't you come to supper?" So Simon had an opportunity to have one-on-one time with Jesus. Now, wouldn't that be great? To spend, you know, all of us, you say, well, I had one on one time with Jesus this morning in my prayer. But it but it's uh, there's, of course, a veil between us and Jesus right now. You know what it is? We're in the flesh. (laughs) We're all in the flesh. And so there is a veil. I've been saved. I've been born again. I'm going to heaven when I die, not because of anything I've done, but His grace, I asked Him to be my Savior. But right now when I pray, even my prayers can be hindered by sin in my own heart. And when I talk to Him and I see Him and I read about Him in God's holy Word, I still battle what? The flesh. 
I battled the tiredness of the flesh. I battled the the temptations of the flesh. Folks, even after we're saved, we still battle sin because it's in this. Most of us say the devil's after us, but uh, most time it's just our flesh. And listen, most of us, the biggest sin, and, and it's all caps. You know, if you type anything nowadays, you can put it in all caps. Most of the sin in this room is a five-letter word, and it's called pride. And this room here is full, is full of pride right now. It is. I mean, I've got it. If we say we don't, <laughs> we're lying to ourselves. It's in us. It's in our flesh. It's a part of us, and that can be a hindrance to worship. Simon, he wanted, as a matter of fact, he probably wanted Jesus to be there, not to find out some deep theological truth, but he was just maybe, Jesus was popular. And a lot of times, you may be here at church for the wrong reason, but you know what? I would rather somebody be at church for the wrong reason and hear the gospel, and they hear the right reason. And you know, there's been many a a young man or young woman come to church just to sit beside a a girlfriend or a boyfriend or something like that and end up hearing the gospel and getting saved. Matter of fact, I think that's part of Glenn's testimony of how God worked in his life and whenever he was uh, wanting to see Miss Paula. And it's pretty neat uh, to hear his story. I've heard it before, God, how God worked in his life and used that. But folks, no matter the reason that you come to church Hearing the gospel, finding out the right reason, finding out what's most important. Then in verse 37, we see an opportunity for this woman. This woman had an opportunity to, to, to go to the house where Jesus was. It says in verse 37 that she knew that Jesus was at meat in the Pharisee's house. She said, not only that, she got stuff. She got stuff to go. She prepared herself to go see Jesus. Folks, this today, we are being blessed. And I'm so thankful for the blessings that Promised Land has. We're, we're, we're busy. We're trying to do for the Lord. We're trying to hold Jesus up. Je- Jesus is all throughout this sermon. Jesus is all in our services. We talk about Him in Sunday night. We talk about Him Wednesday night. We talk about Him in between time. There's people in our church that work hard to lift Jesus up. And I'm so thankful for that. And folks, right now, in Ashley County, in our community, people are hearing that Jesus is in the house. Now, folks, start coming. You know, and, and folks may come untidy. And what that means is we're all sinners. But this Simon, he's, he's, uh, he's seeing this woman. This woman's coming for the right reason. And this opportunity for her to, to come worship Jesus, that's all she's got. That's all she's thinking of. I want to see Jesus. I will worship Him if I have the what? The opportunity. And folks, people, sinners, need to come to where Jesus is. Need to come to where Jesus is being taught, being preached, being lifted up. And they're hearing that Jesus is in the house here at Promised Land. Now, He can be at every church house if the church will lift Him up. Every church in America and in the world this morning has the opportunity to lift Jesus up. 
And when people hear that Jesus is in the house, they say, is there any hope? And I want to go hear about this Jesus. Is there any hope for life after death? Is there any hope? Because, you know, life is life can be fun and sin can be enticing and fun for a season. But, folks, there's a point when you draw your last breath and you're going to spend eternity somewhere. Well, she's worshiping in verse 38. Man, she's stood at his feet. Notice it says behind him. Weeping, began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head. Well, there's a lot that we could illustrate right there, but folks, she's worshiping Jesus. In verse 39, this is the way I put it. I put, she's worshiping and he's whining. (laughs) Man, I can just hear it. I can just hear the whining going on. I don't know if your kids have ever whined. <laughs> your kids, they probably never have. Maybe I'm the only parent in this room that has kids that whine. And uh, maybe you have a spouse that whines. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah, there's a, you can do it in many different tones, okay? <laughs> you can. But it's what it's doing. Now, when the Pharisee, which had, you know, if you have a King James Bible, it says had bidden him, had invited him. And saw it. He spake. Now notice this is all going on within his heart. But folks, isn't that mostly what happens when we come to church? Is that if we don't worship, it's because of what you're saying inside of you. It's because of what you're thinking in your brain. It's because of what's going on in your heart. You don't have to tell anybody and you can just not worship. You don't have to say a word to anybody. You don't have to gripe. don't have to complain. You can whine to yourself. And that's what he did. He's whining. Notice what he says. Saying, and it says right there in the Bible, the inspired Word of God, he spake within himself, saying, this fellow, I thought he was some sort of, I thought he knew stuff. He Does he realize if he's really a prophet? What kind of lady is touching him right now. Whoa! He would have known who, and notice this, not just who she is, but what she is. You see it there? We label people all the time, but that's what happens. And folks, it's not just, you can say, well, he's lost. That's all he knew how to do. He doesn't know, he never was raised in church. Give him excuses, but folks, even us as saved people, we let the flesh come on up. Let it come on. And we start, when, when you've been saved comfortably, for a while, and you've come to church for 400 years, and we know our, you know, we have to get out of our order every now and then, and we can become self-righteous and judgmental. Self-righteous and judgmental toward others. Because they don't fit us. They don't do it exactly like us. They don't look just like us. They don't act just like us. They don't have the order of services down. They don't have this or that. Don't they know how to whatever? And that lady was not like him. Because he said it. Who she is and what kind of person she is. Tells you right there. And notice he's saying it within it. So is he worshiping? <laughs> is he worshiping? No, he's not. 
Matter of fact, he's coming. He's folks. He's in. Is he in the same house where Jesus is? He's got. Does he have an opportunity to worship? He's got an opportunity. You can be at church. Listen to me. The people on this side can be self-righteous over here. I'm not trying to paint you on a corner. And these people right here in the middle just worshiping Jesus. And these people over here just wondering what's going on. <laughs> you know, there's all three at church this morning. <laughs> you know, what happened? <laughs> Where did it happen? I don't know what happened. And then it's all about Jesus is what it's about. It's what it should be. Well, he's a, Jesus, he knows. And he says in verse 40, this illustration. He's got a short illustration. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have something to say to you. <laughs> he said, well, tell us about it. He said, well, verse 41, there was a certain creditor which had two Debtors. Two people owed this guy some money. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. Over a year's wages and the other had about a, a month's wages. It was divided up that way. About. And that neither one of them had the funds in verse 42 to pay. And he frankly, which means just without even hesitating... He, these two people come to this fellow probably at different times and said, we cannot pay you back. And it says, he frankly forgave them. He says, tell me which of them will love him most. Two things happen in this. And he said, well, Simon answered in verse 43, uh, I suppose to... To he to whom he forgave the most, and he said, Thou hast rightly judged. Yeah, you're right. You made a you made a decision. There's two things that happen here. And the same thing happened when you got saved. And the same thing's happening today at Promised Land. Forgiveness is given, and love needs to be shown. Love means I thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. If you're not saved this morning, which means this. Say, well, I, what does he mean? Did, I remember the first time I heard the word saved, I thought somebody fell in a lake. Somebody pulled them out. I, know, I wasn't raised in church, so I didn't hear the, I didn't know the terminology. First went. I heard about, okay. In order to get to heaven, I need to ask Jesus to be my Savior, realizing that He died on the cross because I'm a sinner, and everybody's default destination is hell. That's why Jesus died and rose again. I think I want to do that. I want to go to heaven. What do I need to do? My Sunday school teacher, Miss Audie Pounds, Showed me a scripture, Romans 3.23, brother. She didn't say brother. She said, Michael, because I was 10. She said, Michael, have you ever told a lie? Have you ever sinned? I was so under conviction, I wasn't about to hesitate. Yes, I have. I'm mean to my sister, and I lied to my mama. I got beat for both. 
And uh, so I, I've done all that. She said in Romans 6.23, says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. As a gift, it's free. All you've got to do is ask Him for it. The Bible says in Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to do that. I was still a little confused. She said, talk to your mom tonight or later. I did. My mom's the one who led me to the Lord. She didn't pray me into heaven. She said, Michael, you pray on your own. And I'd love for it if you would pray out loud. And I did. The reason being, she wanted to hear. And I asked people when I talked to them about salvation to do the same thing. Not so for any other reason that I can share. They don't have to. It's not required to pray. You can pray in your heart. But if there's anybody here this morning and you've never done that, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and save me right now. You can do that. You can have that opportunity. Folks, Jesus is in the house. He's moving. He's working. It's up to you. Maybe there's somebody here and they're they're backslidden. And you didn't worship. You haven't been worshiping this morning. Back in our text, it says in verse 44, it says that why, why is she worshiping? Why is this woman worshiping? He turned to the woman and he said unto Simon, You see this woman here? I entered into your house, thine house. You, thou gavest me no water for my feet. She's washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. There's two things happening in this verse, or a lot more really, but I just want to say this. She's humble and she's broken. Humble because she's at his feet. There was a custom in those days to be a servant and to wash the feet of those who were in the home. Most of them had dirty feet. They walked everywhere they went and they wore sandals. As a matter of fact, Jesus washed the disciples' feet later to show that if you want to be the big dog in church, serve people. That's basically it. John 13, the story there. But anyway, and then she's broken. You know how I know she's broken? Because she's shedding these tears. And I know not all of us are wired the same to shed tears, and a lot of people poke fun at others when they do because of the mentality that we grow up with or the culture that we were raised in. But I guarantee you the Bible says a lot about tears. Matter of fact, in God's Word, the Bible says that God has a tear bottle and saves every tear that's shed on His behalf. Look it up. It's in there. It's pretty cool. There's something about this lady that I need to share with you. Now, I mentioned that Romans 10, and we're going to go there in just a second. But it says that she was not ashamed anymore in our outline. 
She wasn't ashamed. And folks, once you get saved, you don't have to be ashamed anymore. Why? Because you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Simon, if we think about his text, you know, in our text in verse 39, it says that he's, he's worried about people. He's worried about what people were thinking. We shouldn't be ashamed. The Bible says in Romans 1.16, it says that we should not be ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto every, to everyone that believes. To anybody who wants to be saved, it's the power of God. The last part's not up on your, out, on your, on your screen, but it says to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul was writing that to the Romans. He said, I don't care whether you're Jew or Gentile. If you're saved, you shouldn't be ashamed. And then it says, of course, in Romans 10 verse 11. It says, anybody who believes on Him, anybody who's saved should not be ashamed. We should want to confess. We should want to tell others. And again, she's not ashamed. Why? Because she's been forgiven. Now, it doesn't say here that she was a prostitute, but most Bible students and scholars believe that she was. She was, uh, she was even today... In a lot of places in our country, that's become not a shameful practice. Here in the Bible Belt, it would be. In a lot of places in the world, there's no shame for sin anymore. Then if we read on, we see how she believes that Jesus is precious. It says that uh, in verse 45, Now gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with this ointment. Which means this, she says, he's precious. I love him. I want to talk about him. I want to tell others about him. I believe that he's precious and I want to share it with others. There's a verse over in the book of Luke, chapter 24. Verse 32, which is talking about the, the two disciples that are on the road to Emmaus, that uh, they're walking along, and they are thinking, why, why did Jesus have to die? There's some rumor going around that He's risen from the grave. And the Bible says that all of a sudden Jesus appeared beside Him, but they didn't recognize Him. And they're going along and they're talking with him. They go to supper time and they said, Mister, would you ask the blessing on the food? And he blessed the bread. He broke it. And all of a sudden the Bible says in Luke that they recognized who he was. And, they, and all of a sudden Jesus disappeared. Remember, he is in a glorified body, which means he could do that. And then they, they said, Whoa, that was Jesus. I'm excited about it. Did not our heart burn within us while he opened to us the Scriptures? You know, Every pastor, including myself, when I hear people call me, there was I got a phone call last night about a scripture and uh, this and that, and people talking to me about the Word of God or talking to me about whatever. If if you're saved and you're and if you're walking with the Lord, you will be interested in His Word. You say, "Well, I'm not really interested in His Word." It's maybe because you're too busy or too distracted. Or all the above, or something. But a lot of times, we our heart 
We're not on fire for the Word of God or telling others. And you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to tell others about Jesus. We have tracks back there in that track rack. You don't have to say a word. Just hand it to them and say, did you get one of these? <laughs> and let it do the talking. Come to churches and bring them to church. Bringing people to church isn't witnessing, but it's a good thing. There's two different things there. <clears throat> then... There's a powerful passage where he says in verse 47, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven her. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. Now what this means is she's forgiven and she knows it. The tendency of people neck deep in sin when they get set free is to be very thankful for forgiveness. And the tendency, notice I'm saying tendency, of people ankle deep in sin is to take it for granted, which means this, and what happens is, is we become self-righteous and judgmental. It doesn't mean, you know, I was saved at the age of ten. Basically, all I repented of was I'm a sinner and I've told lies, and I had a filthy mouth, and I've um, been mean to my sister. I didn't have a whole lot to repent of at ten. But I'm thankful every day. And even more so, when you get older, and you've been saved for 30 years, or 20 years, or 5 years, or whatever, and you sin again... You know where to go to get forgiveness. And when you get it, you should know to be thankful. You don't get it from a preacher. You don't get it from doing good works. You get it from Jesus. And going to Him. That's where she got it from. That's where we get it from. You get it from Jesus. Now, by the way, you don't sin a bunch to be thankful for well, man, I'm, I sinned a bunch just to get for His grace, a bunch of grace. Paul said, talked about that in Romans 6, but he said, God forbid, that's what Paul said, we should cling to Him to sin no more. We're still sinners, and we should flee from sin. That's the tendency. We become self-righteous and judgmental. What is your reason for not worshiping? Lastly, in closing, <clears throat> I want to talk about uh, something that happened with, uh, with Hezekiah. And this story is found in Isaiah 38. Now, this is, this is powerful. In Isaiah 38, the Word of God says, uh, uh, Hezekiah, it's time for... As a matter of fact, you know, a lot of times we don't get a note. But uh, he did. He said, you're going to die. <clears throat> Man, he started praying. He turned his face toward the Lord. He started praying. Uh, and the Bible says that God heard his prayer. God healed him of his sickness and added more years to his life. And then, of course, we find out these years that he had added to his life that uh, he was very thankful for. In Isaiah 38, verse 17, this is... Hezekiah talking here. And he says, O Lord, by these things men live, and all these things is the life of my spirit. 
So wilt thou recover me and make me to live? That's verse 16. And behold, for peace, I had great bitterness. So in other words, at one point in his life, then there may be somebody here that they're in this room and you haven't worshipped God because you're bitter. One preacher said we can get bitter or we can get better. One's headed toward God, one's headed away from God. But it says, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. You've saved me from the grave. For thou hast cast all my sins where? Remember them no more. Notice this. Why is he saying all this anyway? Because God healed him and said, okay, I'm going to give you a second chance and I'm going to add more years to your life. And then he says in verse 19, the living, the living, he shall praise thee. Did you know dead people cannot praise God on earth? If they're saved, they're going to praise them up in heaven. But you've only got one shot here to make a difference in eternity. And dead people can't do it. That's what it's saying there. The death, the death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down in the pit cannot hope for thy truth. The living, the living, he shall praise thee. As I do this day, the father to the children shall make known thy truth. How many fathers this morning are telling their kids about Jesus? It's all up to you. Do you want forgiveness? Are you saved? Do you know the Lord is your Savior? The very last slide that I have for you is one of my favorite, favorite paintings. It was recently done. It's an artist's depiction of Jesus holding a man up, giving him forgiveness. One of my favorite things about this artist's rendition is that man is holding a hammer and a nail. Folks, every one of us are holding a hammer and a nail because your sins and my sins nailed Jesus to the cross. There's nail prints in those hands. He didn't stay on the cross because of the nails. The nails didn't hold Him there. Your, Your sins and my sins put Him there. But love held Jesus to the cross. And it's up to you to receive Him, to worship Him. If you're saved, it's your choice to worship. This morning you came and you've worshipped. Or you came and you let something hinder you from worshipping. Both are your choice. As we prepare for a hymn invitation, would you bow with me for a word of prayer, Father? I thank you for the ones that came this morning to celebrate to celebrate a decision, young man being saved. It's a glorious celebration. Father, our, our church service, may we make it about you.
Father, that whatever's hindering us from worship, that we would not, would, would give it all to you. We'd give whatever hinders us, and we'd give it to you. There's somebody that needs to be saved. They realize that they've just, they've been living life. And they have this opportunity this morning. They would pray right now and confess their sins and ask you to save them. In Jesus' name, amen.